I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield, and welcome to the Mizogart Podcast where each week I'll be speaking to an artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello, here we are at episode two of the Mizog Art Podcast. Hopefully you would have listened to last week's episode, which was with Dougie Fields, conceptual painter, and all-round bloody cool person. And hopefully a few of you will have um, followed him on social media, or even um, give him a tap to say hello, and mention that you heard him on the podcast. Well, a couple of things have occurred this week. We've had um, four or five artists confirmed for future episodes being Kate Murdoch, Horace Panter, Kathy Lomax, Sarah Maple and Gary Hume. So that's five cracking podcasts just sitting there. And also tonight, a nice little surprise. I came in about nine o'clock this evening to find a little belated birthday present from my better half, Jenny. It turns out for the last few weeks she's been seeing another man behind my back. Although I didn't mind at all because it turned out to be Ryan Cullinan, a.k.a. Riker. Where just like the face value exhibition that I curated earlier this year, where one artist's work was given to another artist to change its identity, it was um, all in aid of the Katie Piper Foundation where Katie has obviously had her identity changed by another person. But back to this artwork, I had a few um, largish, just a bit larger than A4 photographs of a typical prison pose that was taken on the day I was released from prison. It was the old Polaroid where they take a photo and then, you know, like just sort of shake it to develop it. 
and I was supposed to have been getting out of prison at nine o'clock that morning, but the camera was playing up and he had to take two, like the prison officer had to take two lots of photos because the first lot didn't work. He threw them in the bin and I picked them up out of the bin, but he couldn't get the camera working. So the photograph is me looking, it, it looks like I'm trying to look mean, but I weren't. I just had to brave him up because it was now sort of like 10 past nine and I should have been released from prison at nine o'clock. But anyway, I had these photographs blown up and I'd put them to one side several months ago. And just after uh, the face value exhibition, Jenny knew that I'd been talking so highly of uh, Riker's work. I'd been trying to get him in the previous show, but he was too busy the first time. But I was luckily, but I was lucky enough to get him the second time. And yeah, Jenny, bless her, she contacted Ryan behind my back, gave him one of these photographs and asked him if he could manipulate it for her or for me for my 50th and if you're familiar with uh, Riker's work you'll know that he often uses the uh, um, smiley face which he has now started to create with um, like very fluid runny paint it looks as if they're melting that's what he done over my face in the portrait it was a beautiful beautiful little surprise very very chuffed indeed I was so thank you Jenny and thank you Ryan if anyone else wants to see my missus behind me back feel free as long as I get a little painting out of it but anyway back to this podcast again like I said last week if you don't know of Patrick Hughes's reverse perspectives look them up on YouTube that's the place to look at them the moving image is essential for the optical illusion as you'll hear, I first saw Patrick Hughes on a TV programme um, in the mid mid to late 90s. He appeared on there with um, Ray Richardson. I liked both their work so much, I contacted the TV company. I know it sounds a bit like a stalker, but, you know, there you go. Sent a letter to Ray and Patrick. Both Ray and Patrick were kind enough to reply. Um, I wrote to them throughout the rest of my sentence, met them during my sentence, as, as you're here, and been friends with a pair ever since. Patrick, as anyone who has met him before will confirm, has a very calming presence about him. Every time I've popped into his studio down at Great Eastern Street in Shoreditch, I come out of there with a smile on my face, just glad I've popped in there for 10 minutes. Just prior to my release, when I was writing out my college applications, I asked Patrick if he would do a reference for me, which he did. Not bad having someone like Patrick Hughes doing a reference for you for a university application. And in this episode, Patrick talks how he's been with the same gallery, Flowers Gallery, for it's 48 years, just cracking on for 50 years. Bloody amazing, eh? Oh, and before we go into Patrick's episode, I've got to just say the quality isn't as good as it could be. Um, I've done four episodes this day. Patrick, Carrie Reichardt, Bob Osborne and James Gray. All of them were done on the same memory card, which turned out to be 40 and only recorded the first five minutes and odd of each episode. Luckily, I had a backup copy on my phone. Patrick's and Carrie's were inside. They come out fine. The one with James was very bad and we had to re-record it. And the one with Bob Osborne, although we were sitting outside in his yard and the audio quality isn't that good. I didn't re-record it because the quality of the interview itself is superb. So here we go, Mr. Patrick Hughes. 
Patrick. Press that button that says bongos. Cheers. We're running now, so we're finally there. So, yeah, we're there. So, um, we're sitting here in the basement of Patrick Hughes's studio, just just off of Old Street, just away down from Old Street Station. I first saw Patrick's work when I was in prison. Patrick featured on, what's the programme you featured on? That with you and Ray Richardson. Can you remember? No, I can't remember it Yours, you saw me. And that's you saw it. Dougie Fields as well. Now Dougie Fields was before. Oh, I saw him in a, in a magazine. Oh yeah. Um, and the news were you and Ray was both. Ray remembers the name of the program because I was talking to him about it a little while ago. Yeah, I saw you. That was a program that was shown to us when we was in jail, and I wrote to you and Ray via the BBC or Channel Four or whoever it was at the time. They kindly passed it on. And use very kindly wrote back, and that was what was that 96? Yeah, when I was first here. Is that when it was? was when I was first here because I came here in about 95 96, and you came from prison, didn't I you? I did, I did a few so, times, yeah. So even on, on a day out, yeah, I was um, I was supposed to be going home for the day or going out looking for a job, and I'd uh, I popped down here, popped down to meet Ray. Went to a few galleries when I should have been out. Should have been out looking for a for a job or or going home for different reasons. Um, but I don't think anyone can hold that against me. No, it was exciting to meet you after having corresponded. Yeah, yeah. Aylesbury, yeah, well, it started off. I wrote to you first when I was in a in a high security prison, which was on the Isle of uh, Isle of, Isle of Sheppey oh. in Swellside. That's when you, where you first wrote to me in ninety six, ninety six, ninety seven. Yes, we first corresponded. I replied, and thankfully you um, you kept me kept me going throughout my sentence. Really, yeah. Then I popped out to see you afterwards, and uh, yeah, it was uh, one of the best moves I ever done. Really, it was good to see you, but you had a strange mixture of artists with Dougie Fields and Ray Richardson and Patrick Hughes and that Lord. Lord Bath, yeah, Lord Bath. And there were four, I've, those are four completely different artists. I've not heard from him for years. Well, a few I knew years, Dougie Fields and I knew Ray Richardson, but I didn't know Ray. Well, Dougie, Bath. as we speak, Dougie is on his way up to Glasgow. Or he's, he's, he's just arriving in Glasgow around about now. They're recreating his, have you seen his flat? Yeah. Right, they're recreating his flat in the gallery in Glasgow. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a mix mash. Like, there's bits of his studio in with his front room to try and fit it all in the gallery but he, he was i was with him last week he was just telling me about it but yeah so there was yourself dougie were the first ones lord bath was later on um i heard from him a little while ago um well, a little while ago probably about four years ago telling me to get in touch um i didn't but i may well do but he did sort of sexy naked ladies. Dougie Fields does cool pictures of Marilyn Monroe. Ray Richardson has his dog. And I'm doing, at the time you were talking to me, reverse perspective. Exactly. They were four completely different. Yeah, well, I was, where I was new to the... I was just like a sponge. Where I was new to the art world, I was, mine was all about the vis, everything visual. You know, all, all four of you were very, very visual artists. Yeah, no, and like you say, all very different. They, 
you probably wouldn't all sit well in the same, you know, along the same more in the same in the same room of a gallery even. Um, I suppose you could say they were united by being eccentrics, though, Gary. Oh, were yeah, all, exactly. All, all four of them go off on their own. They, they? All they, four of you definitely are was not middle of the road, that's no, for sure. Main Street. Yeah. I hate Main Street. Yeah, it definitely wasn't they're there. All, they're all eccentrics, aren't they? The reverse perspective, the, the seven questions that I've asked, that, you know, as, as I said to you earlier, I'm no Parkinson, they're not sort of in-depth or highbrow questions. It's more just a little uh, understanding of your work and your viewpoint on it. Well, you've asked me to explain what I do or what my style is, and what I would say is that my first instinct in 1964, 54 years ago, was to do things the wrong way round. So I did a black and white rainbow, or I did uh, a cloakroom ticket that said one, but the lettering on it said two, or I did licorice all sorts, all laid out in a pattern, you know, not not uh, uh, Bertie Bassett, you know, not yeah. to a man. So I, I always had the idea to, to contradict things. And with regard to the reverse perspective, I just did it the wrong way around. Instead of it going in, I did it stick it out. And there was a marvellous moment when I first put it on the wall, having made it on flat on the table, turned it through 90 degrees, put it on the wall, and it, it receded, you know, to my surprise. Because was your first one, was it life-size? Well, I, I remember it was, seeing a... It was, no, it was only three foot by four foot or something like that. Because I remember there. seeing one of you, a very early photograph of you standing next to one that, that looked like it was off of a wall. Yeah, there was a, yeah, there were never... Um, Particularly big, except I did one at the ICA called uh, in an exhibition called Ten Sitting Rooms that was full size, as you like to say, the same size as a room. But normally speaking, I did them just the same size as ordinary paintings, if you like. And what's, what's the what's the average size you'd do one now? Well, these ones here seem to be uh, fifty-two centimeters, you know, half a meter by a meter and a half. No, no, normal size, if you like. But I can do any size. I have done a little tiny one called... I've done one that's, uh, I don't know, 30 foot long. And, uh, uh, 30? Yeah, 32 foot long. Oh, I didn't see that it's, one. Yeah, it's in Hong Kong. So you can do it any size. How, how old was that one? That was, uh, oh, it was about 15 years ago. It was a commission for a, a site in New York, in... Uh, and it, it stayed there, stayed still there still. There now. Yeah, I've been to see it. But it was, um, in answer to your question, that's what I do, is I do this thing out of an instinct to do contradict or do things the wrong way. And then, as a, a result, you come along and make it go back the right way and it all begins to move and, and squiggle about. But it comes from the instinct to contradict and then from the contradiction comes the illusions and the dual uh, quality comes into it. But it was originally, it was, if you like, conceptual, it was an idea. Yeah. But then when people actually look at them, they they become physically perceptual. And was there anything like it around at the time or previously? No, but there's... A, that you've seen or are, found since? There are examples, aren't there, like the Ames Room, you know? That yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that's met 
messing about with perspective, yeah. in a way it's messing about perspective, as de Chirico did, the, uh, the early surrealist did, you know, to make yeah. within the one picture uh, from different, different angles, yeah. Uh, vanishing points of perspective and so on. So there was, there was a tradition, yeah, there is a tradition going all the way back to um, the beginning of perspective, to make things in perspective. In Rome, there is a, um, an arcade that's physically made smaller and smaller, oh, and smaller is. in perspective. So people began, once they'd invented perspective, they began to mess with it. If yeah. You know. I've seen in the National Gallery where there's a, a box that you look for a hole in, you know, a, a, a funny box yeah. that all works out a bit like an Ames room. So that was what what they looked like, you know, but I can tell you what they look like, but in this book in front of us, when it's a photograph, it's flat. So uh, you have to be there, you know, in yeah. my case, it doesn't really reproduce except in film. But you know that I've had 35 million and counting hits on YouTube of a little bit of film on an iPhone of a piece of mine that's in Birmingham City Art Gallery where a guy an Australian that's it, it comes out of one, that's it, other. yeah. But that, that's, you can show it on film. Yeah, because it is that moment when it just flips out of reality. Yeah. That's the nice, because yeah. you, you, you do sort of draw people into your world, and then just when they get that little bit too far, ping, it comes into, comes into reality, doesn't it? Well, psychologically, people don't like that, they think it's broken. Oh no, it's that's, like that's a bit a like Christmas and having it, and then suddenly the wheel falls. Yeah. So pe some people don't like it because it's oh, it's broken. Yeah. So Stop working. Because I've, I've I mean I've reproduced a couple myself, not reproduced, but I sort of done a couple myself, only just sort of playing with the idea and, and your concepts. And I, I took one into to where I was working, and it was round about I don't know maybe a meter and a half by a half a meter. But you could see everyone walking past, just swapping, uh, stopping and swaying from side to side. And it helps if it's in monovision as well. Like I'd, I'd say to people, shut one eye, because it always, it always works easier that way, doesn't it? Yeah, film is in uh, monovision. Yeah. Unless it's 3D film, perhaps it'd be different. But I suppose a film will come to be... Uh, you know, people talk about virtual reality, which is really just a perspective system. But when it comes to be uh, a hologram, when holograms become animated, yeah. you know, we're, we're in a primitive state at the moment, when a movie, a whole movie, will be hologrammatic, you know, and the, uh, as it were, like in a, a Woody Allen film, people come walk out, come out of the screen and walk down yeah, 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 the yeah. aisle towards you. We can look forward to the time. And I don't think that's too far away, is it? You know, you might not be... I, we're talking now, but this, I could be, yeah. in theory, a living, walking, talking hologram, couldn't I? And you could just reach out to touch me and put your hand through my arm. Oh, that, that's not far away, is it? No. I know no I'm looking forward to it, because a hologram right now is, as it were, a still photo, isn't it? Yeah. It's like when they invented the movies, you know, became, and when they invent real 3D movies, you don't need to wear glasses, right? You know, the, the, the things are 3D. That can't, that can't be too far, far away, can it? Not far, just power. I just need computer power, don't I? When was your first interest in art, and who was your most influential artist at the time? Well, when I was at school, I liked, uh, I liked art. I wasn't particularly good at it, but 
but I did like her. And I um, had a good art teacher, you know, Ian, Ian Fothergill was our art teacher at Hull Grammar School. And uh, I give him a name check. And uh, I was interested in art. And I think I knew one or two artists, a bit, a bit like you in that way. I was interested to meet artists. And it so happened that grammar schools were very good for working class boys at that time, that, or, and girls, that you could be introduced into the middle class yeah. now from the working class. And my friend at school, his mum was a member of the colony room in London. Yeah. We were in Hull. And his mum in London was uh, knew, as it were, Francis Bacon and Lucian Freud well. and all these people. So when I was a teenager, I was taken uh, 16 or 17 to the colony room. And I met people, not, uh, not very well-known artists I knew best was uh, Robert Cahoon and uh, McBride, I've yeah. forgotten his name. Cahoon and McBride were Scottish artists, a bit like Jan Adler, kind of late Cubist. Yeah. Anyway. Too late Cubist, you might say. And, uh, and Brendan Behan, I remember meeting. I didn't meet Dylan Thomas, but there's a whole lot of Bohemians. Yeah, yeah. So I was drawn to the art. And then, in, for instance, in that poster, I just see that poster behind you from Moulin Rouge. My grandmother took me to see the Moulin Rouge in... Uh, of the early 50s, and I thought, oh, this is quite good. It's really about uh, Toulouse-Lautrec, you know. Yeah. Jose Ferrer played Toulouse-Lautrec on, on Jose Ferrer's knees. <laughs> with, with the yeah, shoes, shoes on the knees. <laughs> Peter Sellers. And uh, I, I thought, I kind of thought that uh, that life, you know, the Bohemian life, yeah. compared to my more or less suburban life, was exciting, you know, the colony room more. So I got interested in art that way, and then I had a remarkable thing happen to me. It was when I went to uh, study to be a teacher at training college. I decided to become a teacher when I was uh, in my late um, late teens, very about nineteen. I, and I went there and I said I want to do study English because I liked writing at the time. And I said I, the writers I like are. Um, more or less eccentrics like uh, uh, Kafka, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Lewis Carroll, and uh, other uh, out of the way people who were well known at the time. Ionesco, the playwright Ionesco, who was Romanian, and Kafka was uh, Austrian, and uh, Morgenstern, I like, was a German, and I like Samuel Butler, who was a 19th century writer, and Lewis Carroll, who was really a kids' writer. And they said, oh, no, we don't do that in the English department here. We just do the 19th century novel, like the Oh, okay. And people like that. You must go and do art. And they said, they, I was more or less told to do art because I had, what you might say, an arty yeah. uh, love of things. Yeah. So in answer to that question, really, what, what was my interest in art was I was told to do it. <laughs> yeah, you, your interest was you got told. I was told. So I, I got interested. So all these years you've just been doing as you're oh, told. Many, many, many. Who is, is there anyone at the moment that you like? No, not really. I'm, I suppose like uh, all uh, mature people, I'm drawn to the artists that I loved at yeah, that time. Yeah. You know, I loved, uh, when I was a student, I had two great 
people I imitated that are very different was um, Paul Clay, who's, but he does have a tremendous sense of humour, Paul mm. Clay, and, uh, but very formalist from the Bauhaus days. And I loved Magritte, who was a surrealist, yeah. and had uh, you know, also a great sense of humour, and uh, also very good ideas. And I suppose that uh, Paul Collet was a, is a kind of formalist, so he would make um, a lot of triangles that all fitted together, and then they'd, he'd turn them into boats. Yeah. You know? So he had an underlying structure that he made into something. Whereas, uh, I don't know how Magritte was. But yeah, you use Magritte a lot in, in your work, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, then I've reproduced them and both. Yeah, here's Paul Collet's yeah. uh, Highways and Byways. And... Uh, Somewhere here there'll be a Magritte, there's a Magritte um, version of the human condition. So, yeah, when I paint pictures nowadays, in order to paint walls, I put something on the walls, and it's often a picture, or a library, or a fireplace, or something that would something be on the wall. Yeah, you know, obviously really I'm common. painting walls a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, these, you've, you've done a lot of these. We're, we're looking at one that is... Um, like crates on a beach. You've done a few of those, haven't you, recently? Well, that's because I'm really painting boxes. Yeah. Well, we're in a box right now. We're in a room. And this is a box within a box, which is a building. And then it's in amongst a lot of other boxes. And perspective, really, is a system for representing the built environment, as it's called. Mm. It's not very good at representing rainforest no, no. or the sea yeah. or, or other things. It represents uh, what people have made, like uh, um, boxes and uh, books and uh, paintings and railway lines and roads and skyscrapers and uh, anything that uh, Andy Warhol has... Uh, well, for a while, just I'll, when I just look at these images we've got here, you always had a grey frame around them, didn't you? Yeah. And then you stopped using that frame, and they looked very different, didn't they? They looked like they was coming out of the wall. And yeah. I just saw you've yeah, started yeah. to use the frame again, haven't you? Are you putting the frame on all the works, or just on some of the works? Well, that's partly a practical difficulty, partly an aesthetic difficulty. If you don't have a frame on them, you've got about six metres of very delicate edge. Yeah. And when you ship it somewhere, or somebody hangs it somewhere, it's got a possibility of being broken all on the edge because a frame defends the painting. Mm. So I would like to do more frameless ones, but sometimes you have to put the frame on because you don't know where in the world it's going to go or how it's going to be hung. But on the other hand, as you say, if it hasn't got a frame like these ones we're looking at, it seems to go through the wall yeah. like a, um, a breakfast uh, yeah, look. Yeah. yeah. And these, I see that... Serving <laughs> these have got their own perspective as well, haven't they? They've got a, another slight angle of perspection. Yeah, these perspective, are made into, made perspective, perspective there. Yeah, because you can, you can do that. Yeah. I've had a few, a very limited number of ideas. One, one is sometimes to cut into it, so you can do a, a cut in, you know, like a, a box of books or something like that. Another is to have doors because they there's one that's yeah. a cut in uh, this Jeff Coons is a cut in so when you come out you can go in again. yeah 
Because you've done one in the, the Brillo pads was was yeah, the one that what is first one I saw there. Yeah, we were going, and um, and one another thing doing the inspection. And the the one that I saw from years ago was the like a haunted house. It was all jagged, wasn't it, yeah. coming out towards yeah. you? It wasn't just angular like this. It was loads of different angles coming out to. That was a point as it came out to a point oh, as well, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, cabinet. It's like the film from the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And yeah. um, where did that end up? I don't know, I think we've still got it, never sold. I think we still have it. I think it's in storage. Yeah. yeah. No, never sold. But it was, I was, a, when I started out, that really seriously doing it for um, 30 odd years ago, I tried all different things and often I failed. But now, I more or less know what I'm doing. But in those and, days, yeah, and every, tried. it looks like every, every few years you sort of just do a little, not an addition, but you do some that are slightly different, like the one he's looking at there that's got a different perspective from the left-hand side of the painting to the right. It cuts down, doesn't it? Mm. So you've only, you haven't been doing them long, have you? No, no, there's a new thing. It's a good, yeah, you've got it. I've got two main problems, because here, jumping ahead to your question, what is my working process, is I've got imagery on the one hand. Shall I do a picture of... Jeff Coons in a box, shall I do a picture of a, a yacht on the end, shall I do, what kind of floor shall I have, will I do another hopper, and what imagery, and also what shapes, you know, behind yeah. me there's a lot of those white shapes, should I have an infinity, how much angle should I put onto it, shall I cut into it, you know, shall I shape it, so it's really uh, sculptured painting, you know, got a, a, you're painting something like a library, and B, you're sculpturing it into some sort of uh, shape. And uh, I have, I've tried half the time I'm thinking, what could I paint a picture of? And half the time, what shape? What's your favourite? Oh, I don't know if I've got a favourite. No. I did answer, I have answered myself that question. There. Oh, have you? That be, I would put it this way, that I've always been a popular artist and I'm, I've got a popular touch, which doesn't necessarily uh, ingratiate you with the powers that be. But I, I am capable of doing popular works, and I like the fact that in the British Library, my favourite in that way, is the one in the British Library, which is of books, and which people go to visit the British Library from all over the place, yeah. and they they like it and they see it. So it is that, and I was, did that 22 years ago, and it's still popular. And it's nice to be in a public place just outside the lavatories in the <laughs> where everybody has to go and, and check their coats. Well clothes. you do always have one in your window as well, Nick. Yeah, and I put one out on the out on the, the Great Eastern Street there. Um just last week it was the three faces, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. now I've got the doors. Yeah, now I just I just when did you put that one up? Just like last it's been week. A month or, a month. Oh, is Every it? month or two we change it. We don't change it so soon. But uh, but it's time to change it again. Yeah. It's a new one. But that, that's, that's interesting about the popular touch, you know, that it's, it's ha I have had that sort of success to do, I've done 10,000 screen prints. Yeah, really? That, are, that have been sold. So I've done about 100 editions of about 100. Yeah. And they've all gone. You know, I've got some, some just in the drawer, but there aren't any for sale. And similarly, when they were made into postcards, there was perhaps... The, the one, the postcards that were moving? Yeah, no, the ones with 
ones before that were just of rainbows were yeah. uh, maybe uh, either a half a million or a million postcards, you know, and now these multiples I've done uh, more than 80 editions of wow. Take 50, which is about 4,000 multiples, and I must have sold three and a half. Because you was doing actual 3D prints as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's the 3D, they call them multiples. And I must be sold several thousand of those, you know, three, three to four yeah. thousand of them. Be because, and that an interesting point there, Gary, is that they do sell all over the world. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to get over the English Channel or even the Atlantic Ocean from the point of view of an artist. Mm. You know, if you were a Hungarian poet, you're limited to those people who can read Hungarian, yeah. can't you? Know, and the translation destroys what's in yeah, the poet yeah. in the thing. But it's really hard to get. I've just sold a picture in Malaysia. I don't to whom I don't know yeah. who was in Malaysia, but it appealed to somebody in Malaysia, and that's I'm I'm proud of that that you can appeal to other other cultures and if you like other times, aren't they? But that's, would that applies to us now, although he's Dutch and although he would be four hundred years. Because that's the benefit of the illusion, isn't it? Because if you're tricking people's eye, what is painted on there could be secondary to the illusion. Would you agree? Yeah, but you couldn't probably put, um, there's certain things you couldn't put on in a Catholic country or a Buddhist yeah, country yeah. or a Hindu country or a Muslim country. You know, there'd be a, there's limitations. People who work nowadays in um, a corporate art, uh, who sell things to here to the city, they can't put nude women in or perhaps people in at all because it'll always be the wrong person, yeah, yeah. you know. So there, uh, a nude woman is a big part of the history of art, but it wouldn't go in in any office building ever. Mm. They probably never have had a nude in an office building. So there's there are limitations, cultural limitations to what people yeah. will accept. Well, what are you saying about um, working in different, uh, selling in different countries? Ray Richardson, yeah. he's um, got. Uh, quite a big following out in Belgium because yeah. uh, he's worked out there a fair bit and Dougie in the 80s it was massive in Japan yeah but it's, it's, it's funny how some like different cultures can obviously something resonates with them that's that is obviously within their culture or they see it as a new yeah. something that's exciting to them yeah yeah that's that is a part of the cultural exchange yeah that people want you know that's always been the case you know where we've got spices from the east or yeah whatever. But it's uh, excitingly foreign in a way, isn't it? Mm. Or confident. But there again, as a, a remark I sometimes make, in the end, what your paintings are is profound philosophical and aesthetic uh, imagination on the, on the one hand. And on the other hand, they're wall furniture. Yeah. When somebody's got a house, or a, an apartment, and they've got a table and a chair and a bed. The next, th the it's not immediately, but the next thing they think of is a young man. Well, what picture are we going to have? You know, and in the yeah, old days, yeah. they used to, uh, students would have a poster of the girl without any pants on, scratching her arms <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the tennis court. 
Yeah. And that's a, that was that image that suited them at that time. Yeah. So a teenage boy would think, I'm horny, aren't I? And when people went to the room, they'd think that thought. But in, in, if you went to different, the 200 different countries, aren't they? If you went to the different countries and said, what do you have on your wall? What is your wall furniture, yeah. I'm calling it? It would be quite varied, wouldn't it? And it would be, and what we're trying to do, you and I, is we're trying to get on those walls, aren't we? Do you think she's still around? The <laughs> Athena girl scratching her ass with a tennis racket in the other end? Yeah, I mean, she might. I think it's probably illegal to talk about it, let alone... <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But that's, you know, that's a, that's a, a part. Of the lucky thing about art and the reason that's so great about it is it's a, what the Romans call a lingua franca, you know, it's a, a language that is known to us all. Yeah. You know, and a Mongolian who's looking at a, a Patrick Hughes or a Gary Mansfield, they're going to see it just the same as you or I. Yeah. If, they, if we said to them, good morning, sir, they wouldn't know what the fuck we were no, talking about. No. But when they pictures are an international language, aren't they? Everybody's looking at their phones with sight, just yeah. seeing things. And, and so pictures are a part of that, aren't they? Do you know the first, uh, this is just jumping back a bit now, the, the first piece that you carried with conviction, do you remember the one where you said that I'm on something here with, with the reverse perspective? Well, the very first one was like that. But I was incapable of taking advice because everybody said, that's such a good idea, Patrick. You must develop that idea. Yeah. And I said, oh, oh, oh no, I don't know. I, to, I didn't actually know how to develop ideas yeah. at the time. And I said, no, I'm going to do something else now. And I did something else and I didn't realise what a good idea it was. But the first one was perfectly successful. Yeah. And knowing what I know now, I would have gone on and developed it. And how but many that, years was that in between? In between you having another, coming across another it? Twenty wow. twenty years. It took me another twenty years to realise because of something else that I'd done that I could do variations on a theme. You know, in a way that's what artists do. Yeah. They're all, you know, broadly speaking, all of Picasso's are variations on the theme of Cuba. See, I like that concept as well of, of being on that track, stepping away from that track, and then years later, like you said, going, hold on a minute, I was right. There, there is something there. And then sort of um, coming back to address what you'd left behind. Exactly. I love 
I love that idea of, of doing that, even in, even in life, you know. Yeah, well, somebody like, uh, we know that somebody like Dylan Thomas wrote a lot of uh, notebook poems when he was about 15 or 16, when he was a schoolboy. And, what, and in his brief career, because he was dead when he was about 42 or something, mm. but his later poetry was all based you know, on his earlier insights. And a lot of it, I think, is a youthful exuberance and imagination and brilliance that you can, when you're more mature, that you can use again, you know, and, and develop. And you can see the, the beauty in it, if you like. And I, th I think that's uh, a lot of artists are like that. Yeah. I'm always interested in people's, in particularly perhaps artists' biographies, with any biographies, I just know that. And I, th I think it, I mean, in the case of poets, that, you know, Rambo didn't do any poetry after he was 18. Yeah. Because they're very brilliant when they're very young. So they, an old poet is a contradiction in terms mm. almost, you know. That's, and the same is true of mathematicians, you know, are very brilliant. And physicists when they're young. So there's a great story about this. Um, Einstein meeting a surrealist poet. One of those meetings between scientists and artists. And the surrealist poet said, oh, I'm so pleased to meet you, uh, Albert. I I've got my um, sketchbook here with me, look, and uh, I'm going to note down here, uh, uh, Burning Giraffe, you know, the, the Bleeding Rose, and uh, I thought of uh, Broken Lightning. I, when I have an idea, I write it down. What do you do? He and Albert Einstein said, well, I haven't had an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been running off the same ones for a few years. Yeah, so, but again, it was a big idea, you know. Yeah. Albert Einstein had the, had the biggest idea for 500 years in physics, you know, after Newton, it was Einstein. But it, was, it wasn't a pissy little idea about a, a, a bleeding. Yeah, you can't really criticise him by not doing too much work, can no. you? Just working on the one idea weren't too bad, was it? But that, that's... Um, to develop an idea, I won't let's say variation on a theme, but to develop an idea is something that, at its best, I've enjoyed over these. Uh, when you come back to these reverse perspectives, was that 25 years ago? Yeah, when it, yeah. This book, this book, it's about the last 25 years, I think. Yeah, it, it starts uh, yeah, about then. That's the one. Then. That's the one in Rome where the um, arcade is built. Yeah. So the person looks very large when it's built in fourth perspective, and that's the one in Vicenza which is built in fourth perspective. So I've had, to, so I've come to learn about the. I wasn't interested in perspective at all when I was a younger artist. You know, I've come to learn about something when you need to know about it. Yeah. You know, you know a lot about things now when you need to know. There's no point teaching people who need to be taught. You want to, you want to teach people who want to learn. Yeah, don't of course. And there's a whole difference between learning and being taught, isn't it? Because it's driven from inside as to being imposed from the outside. Who, who would be the artists who you have used the most within your work? Warhol comes well, out think, a lot. I think when you're doing... Because um, obviously when you're doing the galleries, that gives you sort of free range to... Put in work you love, work you like. You're sort of curating a show yourself there, aren't you? Oh yeah. This this one, which is about the um, 
mate foundation in the south of France. I've never been there, but people have been there. It's quite a popular tourist resort uh, in the south of France. This is all uh, Miro's. Now, I don't particularly like Miro's. It's a bit squiggly to my mind. But it, it gives it a coherence. And it, it yeah, it gives you a bit of a foundation. Yeah, it's a, a picture. You get to paint them and understand them. And you can choose some better than others. And some are worse than others. But he's, a, he's a, an abstract surrealist where I like, if you like, the realist surrealist like mm. Magritte and de Chirico and perhaps Man Ray and others like that. But I don't, because I put the pictures in, like Wall, I don't particularly like Wall or, or Coons or Hearst. I'm, I'm rather a miserable song. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily celebrating. One, Have you done a graffiti I, yet? I'm just doing them. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't like them either. I didn't. <laughs> but I'm doing them. I'm doing the Banksy and so on. But people can make up their mind if they like them or not. I mean, Banksy's a kind of a, a cartoonist, isn't he? Who's and he's always virtuous, isn't it? The worst thing about you know, it's always in favour of whatever is favourable. Yeah. He wants the policeman to kiss. But the policeman are just actually from an anarchist point of view they represent law and of course yeah is it is it just Banksy you're doing up there no I've, I've done the I've started off with the Paleolithic art with the hands on the wall you know that was done by blowing yeah. through onto, onto the wall and I've gone up to uh, a Flem who's uh, a local Sheffield and he works all over the world yeah he's, he's pretty cool isn't he yeah. he's a lot of his around here isn't he yeah like Did you meet I Ben Nine at, at my show last week? Oh, no. last month. I think he's one of the worst artists in the history of the world. You don't like him? No, despicable. Oh no, I can't bear it. Oh, I do. Humorless like and unimaginative, deeply unimaginative. Oh, do you think so? Yeah, repetitive, tedious, really a crap system, odious, nearly as bad as uh, Bob and Roberta Smith. <laughs> So I like Bob and Roberta Smith as well. Oh, so so have, I, have I gone down? <laughs> yeah, that's me all over, isn't it? Here, mate. Oh. Um, have I gone down in your estimation now? No, you've got Oh, that's what I should have done. No, the... I don't. I'm a, uh, I don't like uh, anybody really. I don't like, <laughs> I'm just the, the New Yorker arrived today, my, my wonderful New Yorker, and it's got a cover by David Hockney. It made me feel sick. <laughs> How awful. Because it's, it's a competitive sport, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm a loser. <laughs> is that I'm, what it is? He's bitter and twisted. I've never got on the cover of the New Yorker and he's on the cover of the New Yorker this week. It's like being in the Olympics and coming in last. What did you think of their work? Um, the yeah, Connor Brothers? I did look into it. It looked, nice. it looked interesting. But I think Nancy Foots used to show with them at one point. They had a gallery, didn't they? The here's a remark I'm keen to make. The, uh, in our day, our parents or grandparents loved Impressionism, didn't they? Mm. They loved the nature. What people love now is pop art and graffiti. Yeah. And it's surprising, when you think again about the young marriage, so when they've got the flat and when they've got the car and when they've got the kids, what is the wall furniture going to be? It's never, ever going to be a Monet or a Manet or a, no. a, a Surat, it's going to be a kind of pop. But ironically, or a 
graffiti type. Yeah. But it, so they want to be hip. People want to be with it. But you know, Cobra artists who came from Copenhagen, Seattle, um, Belgium, and so on, wherever they were there from Northern Europe, they all did like awful splashy paintings, the Cobra artists. Um, Hanske Jorn was one of them, and so on. And the, the, the bourgeoisie of Northern Europe all liked to have that splashy thing but contained within a frame mm. because they would never have had a splash on the wall. If somebody spilled a cup of coffee on the wall, they'd have the whole wall, the whole flat redecorated. Then there's a way in which you can buy, like getting, like you say, getting a graffiti, you take it out of the vicious, harsh, shitty world out there and putting it constrained, yeah, printed, yeah. reproduced, under glass. It's, it's like, Taking a bird out of the air, isn't it, and putting it under one of those glass domes, you know, it's it's, it's stuffing it, isn't it, and killing it really. Kill the kill the bird. Well, then, like you've stuff got it and put it in opposite here, you've got pure evils gallery, um, as well, you know, and, and he's got well, he's got his gallery and, and the shop just along from there, within the rest. But it's like sort of transient graffiti, isn't it, you know? Yeah, but that would always be the case, though, as well. When you think of one of the hugely popular artists of the 20th century was, was uh, Jackson Pollock, Jack the Dripper. And what he did was he laid the canvas... <laughs> I've not heard of that before. He laid the canvas on the floor, didn't he? Made a hole in the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, just... and dripped it and so on. And it was at that moment he was throwing paint around like a kid, wasn't it? And then what, when you go and see an exhibition, it's been framed probably squared up and on the wall and it's like cap capturing that moment of uh, so-called inspiration when he splashed and blocked yeah. about and and that's what people want to do isn't it to uh, um, to limit it really and, and control it and buy it you know when you buy somebody or something you've got it haven't you it's your car don't touch it my car isn't it I'll fill it no that but in the uh, Ivor Cut had a wonderful song called Get Away From The Wall, which is, get away from the wall, it's my wall. <laughs> That's all. It's, it's yeah, keep, keep away get from away it. From the wall. It's my wall. See, where you are around here, being off Old Street, you've, you've seen the, like the, the Brit Art, that blew up around here, and now that's sort of moved away from here. Got the country now, aren't they? Yeah, out in the sticks. <laughs> She's up here. That's what English people do. They go to the country. <laughs> Their studios now. Yeah, Where's the country? Sarah looks up in Suffolk, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. But um, you're staying I'm well staying and truly in the city. But when I was a, a young art lecturer in Leeds, when I was I was senior lecturer in painting and drawing when I was 24 or 25, we had a country house in uh, Castle Howard. Where they film, you know, it's like National Trust property. And we used, to, on a Friday night, you have to get, I had three sons, and my wife and I used to get them all in the car, drive there in the dark, get out, you know, get in the air the bed, and get them all there. And then on the Sunday night, they brought them all back. So <laughs> I, I was inoculated against the country. And uh, would you not fancy. You something to travel through. To my would you not fancy somewhere? No. No? You're here I'm to stay there.
is pretty cool around here, isn't it? And you can see everything changing and passing by. So on the question six, you and five others, past and present, what would your perfect group show be? It would be just on these uh, topics we've discussed. We haven't mentioned uh, Morris Asher, MC Asher. There were two artists born in 1898, Asher and Magritte. Oh, were they? They'd, they'd never met. They were in, both in Brussels in 1930. But they never met throughout never, their careers? No, never. Because Asher was a printmaker and thought that surrealism was a bit weird. And Magritte didn't look at printmaking because he was an, uh, an easel artist. I would have Asher and Magritte would be top of my tree to show with. Because they're both witty imaginative and profound really, philosophical mm. if you want. and then perhaps third of all I think I would have uh, De Kirik on for that perspective thing and um, he's featured, featured a lot in your work hasn't he yeah I like him and then I don't know um, uh, certain works individual works appeal to me hugely and I love and I interviewed her, Mary Oppenheim, who did the Fur Cup and Sorcerer. Oh, yeah, cool. In 1935. So I, I would, uh, you know, certain works of hers are really brilliant. The shoes that are joined at the toe are very good. Yeah. She, so her objects, I suppose, are as another surrealist. But uh, I'd have somebody from uh, uh, down southern England. Maybe I'd have uh, Edward Burrough, because I can see his name there on a, on a book. Of the great watercolorist and uh, imaginative uh, artist Burrough, you know, uh, uh, um, a, a wonderfully uh, witty and camp uh, artist, I think, especially his late landscapes. Graham, Andrew Graham Dixon did a great show on Edward Burrough on the TV about what, how good his last his landscapes were. There's all, all kind of artists who have, I suppose, you know, terrific moments, don't they, in his late career. And, uh, and, a, and, a, and an array uh, of books up there. Yeah, another one I've mentioned, of course, is uh, what I forgot to mention in this way is Clay, because Clay did so many different things. Portsmouth. Mm. He did, you know, he did straight lines, he did curved lines, he did black and white. He did. It was always in a small compass, but it, I think he was brilliant and uh, and like I say, humorous in a way. I want all my art to be. I think the only serious art that I'm interested in is humour. No matter what features within your work, no matter how serious it is, there's always going to be an element of fun there because of the movement, isn't there? Yeah. It's a kind of a, it's a, kind of a profound joke because I'm, I'm, I'm using your abilities against yourself. Mm. You know, I'm not quite pulling the carpet from under your feet, but I'm just showing you something yeah. that is uh, going to mess with your mind. Really, I'm a I'm a mind messer, aren't I, in that way? I'm trying to mess with my own mind, and I want to mess with your mind. We were saying, just before we started this recording, we were saying about people who have made, or tried to make a living out of producing reverse perspectives as well. We've got the small um, one that you said was from from Russia, which is, it's, it's not painted too bad, really, is it? It's, it's, it's made awfully, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't. That, it's a bit too shallow to work, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and what was the? Was it? We were talking about the American lady who'd done it. Was yeah. it something bright? Do you remember yeah, we were talking about it years ago? Yeah. S. S. Bright, I think her name was. 
Yeah. But on my website, I named 10 of them and suggest that they take up beekeeping, you know, or something. Or well, I, had, I had one, there's one currently in France, and I wrote to him and I said, uh, your talent is obviously to, uh, you know, to serve other people. Why have you thought of taking up a career as a prostitute? Because to my mind, an artist should be bold and imaginative and powerful and courageous. And it's just creepy, isn't it, to imitate other people's art? Yeah, I mean... I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not imitating other people's art, I'm just putting it in my... Yeah, they are just using... I'm not doing a foreplay. They are just I'm reproducing a reverse perspective, aren't they? Yeah, essentially. They're, They're just working on a... On a just copycats because they think it will be good. And that, that's the worst thing, isn't it, to be? You've got to be original. To be an artist, you must... Yeah, but I, don't, I don't think that, that the people who recreate these, I don't think they're trying to make strides in the art world. They're just trying they're to just, make money. They're just trying to make a few quid on the side. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's, it's like using a stencil, you know, or, or... They just think, oh, that's popular, I'll do some of them. Yeah, I mean, and the people they sell to wouldn't be in the market for buying one of your pieces of work. No. They, they'd go and buy one of theirs. For, I don't know how much theirs would go for. A, I don't know a grand or something. They, you know, the people who would buy that would probably have to save to buy one for a grand, whereas they wouldn't even be able to. Yeah, they might have to afford it. Yeah. That's but just my, my position with regard to that is that you don't have to buy my pictures. I don't. I'm, I I think they really should be as they would have been in Glasgow uh, Museum of Art, Birmingham Museum of Art, the British Library, and uh, the British Academy and so on, they should be available to all, really. Mm. You know, they should be in the Tate Gallery, but they're not. Uh, that's because it would be too popular. You know? yeah. They don't understand uh, being popular. They want to be um, profoundly different, don't they? They want to be, you know, because it's a kind of religion, you read my article about art and religion. It, 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 on Sundays now, people don't take the children to church. They take them to the Tate Modern. And the, the priests down there, who all wear black, <laughs> like to explain the mysteries of the, of the holy objects that are made by these saints you know, that, to, to other people. And, and it's got a, it's a, a religious fervor, and, and it should be a secret. Congregation can't know to understand the Bible has to be explained to them by the vicar, mm. and, and my work it leaps over the heads of, of the vicars and it goes direct to the congregation. Well, I do see that as a as a sort of like a cathedral, um, like just walking across that bridge with a big spire of, of the Tate Modern. Mm. Uh, yeah, church is a good name for it, isn't it? Mm. The but I'm an unbeliever. Oh, are you? Is there any way of pulling you into that? No. Would Christianity be first? No. So you've got the, I see over there, you've got the, the Egyptian mask, which, yeah, that is a, a reverse perspective face. That, how long have they been around? That's as old as mud. If you fell in the mud, face down, and I pulled you out, that would be, that's a natural phenomenon. Mm. And perspective is invented probably in 1412. Is a, a, 
I mean, you, you donated a, one of your own to, to the Face Value show um, a little while ago. That was a perfect, well, it was obviously, it was your face. But th we'd done that little video, didn't we, where you was actually laying your face in. And at the show, you done the same, didn't you? Yeah. We put it, at, we tried to hang it roughly at your height. I don't know whether your whether it was good enough for yeah, you. Yeah, I fitted, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, I did. When we put it on the wall, I did say, it's, it's about here. Because I want, I knew you was coming over, so I wanted you to sort of see it straight. And not, I know that you'd seen it straight on loads of times, but I wanted it to to be yeah. you there and then. And you, yeah, sticking your someone had a little video of you sticking your face, face into it on the wall. This is perfect. But the ones you've done up here, they are you've made them slightly larger. Haven't yeah, you? they're made by a sculptor and they're made bigger because for some reason they look a bit small, and I lost the eyebrow anyway, so I prefer. It's, uh, he's got a cast, my friend, the sculptor Brian, and he's he's made them for me. They're just a bit bigger. Because you know? yeah, because you you said that at the time that the the plaster one that is uh, the mould from your from your face, it doesn't look like your face would fit in there. It does look no, too no, small, no, doesn't small it? For some reason. Would that be because it's going in? Don't know why it is, but some reason why it looks small. They tend to look small. It's a psychological thing that we think your head is big, you know, when you're looking at a person. Perhaps because it's important. Yeah. Might not think your elbow's big, but your face is big. So. But if we've made it, you know, your face looks big to me. But if we can't... Everything on me is big to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven of the big seven. What well, if you wasn't an artist, what do you think you'd be now? Or, oh, or, what or both questions. Like, what I would like to be is a writer. Because that's what I was until I was 19 when they said, oh, you can't be a writer, you <laughs> But I would have liked to have been a writer. And I, I don't know whether, what kind of writer, but certain writers whom I really like, if you like. You know, the importance of being earnest by Oscar yeah. Wilde is, a, is the funniest play in the world. And uh, I, I, some of the stories of Kafka are the funniest and, and most imaginative. Writings. I would like to have been a writer, you know, but uh, I, I never had. I wasn't a bit, I never had the chance to develop as a writer, I suppose. And I admire writers, you know, so much. I used to read a lot of novels. I don't read them any, but I think my friend Hugo Williams is a poet, and he's a, a great poet. You know, he won the Queen's Gold Medal for poetry. That one few years they give it out and he's a terrific writer very funny very moving very imaginative very original a very brilliant um, subtle use of words I would uh, adore to have been a writer but, uh, that's, but you've got to focus only on one thing you oh, of course jack of all no. and I've never tried to be a writer really except for those teenage so the articles that, that come out now, are they just where people would come out and interview you or do you write the article? Oh, I often write them and I like writing them and I often write an article. But I haven't, uh, but that's just, I don't know, uh, prose if you like, you know, or essays, you know, not, not real writing. Would you like to go back to sort of, not, not necessarily teach, but would you go to university every now and then and sort of do something... Not really, I've done it because I mean, it was something I did when I was at Leeds, I started 
I started teaching in school when I was 18, and I taught in schools for three years, and uh, full-time, and then I taught at art schools for six or seven years full-time, so I did 10 years full-time teaching. And, and Ray? Then I did, and yeah, with, with where Ray. Was, where was that with Ray Richardson? He was at uh, Gold, Goldsmiths one time, and then I did uh, Goldsmiths and uh, Wolverhampton and uh, various other places, you know, I went to Chelsea, talked there for quite a long while, um, part-time, you know, one day a week. But I, 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 I feel as if I've done it. And when there was a terrible moment in my life when I was, I don't know, in my late 20s, and I'd been teaching, say, for 10 years, and somebody said to me, what do you do? And I said, I'm an art teacher. And I thought, oh, Christ. <laughs> and that, you know, because I, when other people are doing, 40 other people in the studio are doing work, and you're trying to help them and see through yeah. their own setting, it puts you off doing your own work. As a, a lot of art teachers, that's the hardest. Was it then you decided to do less of it? Yeah, that was the moment. I remember that. I remember it was a, a basement in Earl's Court somewhere. I remember the, the place. Yeah, where, and I thought, oh Christ, I've told the truth here. I must, I must change that truth. And it was it was from then you is it is that when you that was when got I, back I, into I, painting yourself? I came into yeah, I, I stopped teaching and went uh, else you know just did part time and less and less you know and did more and more work of my own work. Where are you going now? Can you see where your work is going? No, I can't. I don't think I've ever been able to see where it was going, but I know it's going. And, uh, and it's going on, and I've got a, a, a good setup. And I have it's how long have you been with flowers? 48 years. Fucking hell, really? That long? Yeah. Yeah. Long, we're nearly 50 years, yeah. Are you doing and something for 50 years? Yeah, maybe I will, yeah. I should do this. Next, next year I'm 80, and uh, that will be a, an interesting thing. So you've with them since you were... Since, since 1970. Wow. Yeah. So it's 58 years. 48 years, rather, this year. Have you got anything with them coming up? Yeah, I'm going to share with them in uh, August. And July and August in Flowers Court Street. Yeah. That's only just made it, hasn't it? Everything's going around them there, yeah, isn't it? changing. But I'm going to show some of those ones that you described. They're like, that, like this yeah. with the uh, out on your frame. Because I can control it. Mm. I haven't got to ship them all. And I can see how they're humming and so on. When was your last one? Your last one weren't too long ago with those there, was it? No, every year or two I show either in New York or in, or in London. Well, I was going to ask what um, you don't like about the art world, but you've, you've crossed a few of those. That can be there. That can wrap it up there. Thank you very much. Thanks. Ah, oh, there we go. Patrick Hughes. What a man, eh? I could have sat and spoke to him all day. And if you ever find yourself in Great Eastern Street, coming from the Old Street end, Patrick's studio is about 7,500 metres on the left. He's always got reverse perspective in the window there. The exhibition at Flowers East that Patrick was talking about did take place a couple of weeks after this was recorded. Although, by the time this comes out, it will have finished. So that wasn't very good timing on my behalf, was it? But as I said there, he's coming up to 50 years with Flowers Gallery. 
So I'm presuming the year after next is going to be um, quite an exhibition that he puts on there. So I'm guessing that in 18 months or so, when he has his uh, 50 year anniversary with flowers, there's going to be some sort of celebration going on over there. Wouldn't surprise me if um, there was a Patrick Hughes showing in each of their galleries. That'd be something, wouldn't it? I could do the Kingsland Road and the Cork Street, although I wouldn't be able to do the, uh, the New York exhibition if it takes place, as I'm barred from America. Used to be a time when I get barred from pubs, now I get barred from bloody continents. And like I said at the intro to this podcast, if you don't know of Patrick Hughes's reverse perspectives, as he said in the podcast there, he's had over 35 million hits, or he hasn't, the, the guy who made the film of Patrick's work has had over 35 million hits on YouTube. Go and make it 35 million and one, have a look. If you like him a lot, don't go painting one and trying to sell them, because he'll send the boys round. And just going on to confirmed artists for future episodes. I've read a few out last week. I've got a few more on the little list here. Joint episode of Erica Flowers and the Kessler Trust. Some say Kessler, some say Kostler. I say tomato. The Kessler Trust is a charity that's dear to my heart. They put on a couple of shows each year for detained people. Not necessarily prisoners, but it would be people in secure institutions, even those people in probation at the time. We'll be doing an episode with them nearer the time of their show, which is normally September, October time. We've got Nicola Flower, Nina May Fowler, James Gray and Cafe Art, who we mentioned earlier, Stephen Gregory, Graham Gussin, Mark Hampson, Alexis Hardin, Hayley Harrison, Alex Hartley, Patrick Hughes, Patrick Hughes, you've just listened to Patrick Hughes, and Gary Hume, as I mentioned earlier. Add that line up there alone. Any art podcast will want just them alone. You know what I mean? And, and that's just a section that we've got coming up. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, you can even listen to it over at mizogart.com. Pops up there normally a day before it pops up anywhere else. And if you want to contact me, any of the social medias, at mizogart, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. Drop us a line, say hello, throw a bit of love my way. Everything's welcome. Please tell anyone about the podcast so yeah, on the social medias, please feel welcome to come over and say hello. Um, it's at Mizogar on all of the social medias. M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. Mizog Art. So that'll do from me today. As I said, go and have a look at Patrick Hughes on YouTube. Look up Dougie Fields if you didn't listen to the podcast before. Next week we have Bob Osborne, The Rebel Not Taken. What an excellent story Bob's is. So make sure not to miss that one. So until next week, ta-da. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.